what's up everybody welcome to another episode of big bang wrestling you already know who me and nick are this week we have justin back on the show with us to wrap up this great interview we've been having for probably about the past month now (laughs) yeah yeah it's been a while and we've been working together good stuff to talk about Definitely. Now, we've been working together for, for the past month, getting out great content, stories, and Justin's personal insights on the business. We've been a, it's been a great talk here for the last couple of weeks, and uh, I guess we'll just dive right in. So, uh, yeah. you know, last week we were talking about, like, um, we'd mentioned that Raven and Tommy Dreamer feud, and uh, kind of the closing point of that feud, that's kind of when you came in and won the uh, world title. If I remember correctly, it was uh, a couple of years before that. But uh, you're okay. you're right. You're right on the uh, the Raven part. Um, I came in in '97, uh, the mm-hmm. middle middle to later half of '97, and um, right. yeah, I, I I did a small feud with Mikey Whipwreck to kind mm-hmm. of open up my ECW career. Um, a couple of matches with Jerry Lynn, and uh, but. Uh, Dreamer wanted to work with me, which was super cool because Tommy Dreamer, especially after the Raven feud, I mean, he was the heart and soul of ECW. And, uh, you know, it it was, it meant the world to me because one thing that's great about Tommy, and I think people know this because, uh, just by his actions and who he chooses to work with. Um, but Tommy, uh, believes that, okay, I'm, I'm made almost like the mob, you know, I'm, I'm a made guy now in ECW. I work right hand, right hand man for Paul. How can I make another guy, another talent? Because then if he makes me, um, a, he has somebody to work with. Um, and two, you know, other people in the company have, you know what I mean? It's just, if people were more uh, cognizant of that and more aware of helping to make people not wait years, like somebody uh, earlier today, I was doing another podcast and somebody mentioned Cesaro possibly getting Mm -hmm. a big push and who knows, maybe a world title run uh, somewhere down the line. I'm like, yes, he's an amazing wrestler. Can't deny that one of the best, you know, top 20 in the world right now. Easy, if not top 10, you know, I, I could be wrong about that, but, uh, just saying he's very, very good. I just think all this time that the WWE has beat him, disrespected him, kept him as a mid-card at yeah. best act. It's hard for fans to that you know that have been around with him on this ride. Mm-hmm. Hard for fans to be excited because what are you going to do? What are you going to show me that's different about Cesaro? Um, again, he's an amazing wrestler, but the damage has been done, and they waited so long to pull the trigger. So they got to be careful with that, you know, and I, and I think that what Dreamer did, what Dreamer did was help get guys that are fresh coming in and boom, I'm going to make you before like, you know, I could have been in ECW for three years and then like, oh, we're going to make PJ, but PJ already lost to everybody. So uh, he was very smart with that. He always wanted to work with the new and up and coming talent. Another gentleman that I've heard rumors that you guys are going to have on the podcast, C.W. Anderson, same thing. He saw C.W., uh, he saw his talent, and he decided to make him, um, you know, almost uh, immediately when he got into the territory. You know, it's great. I think that's like, like you said, that's one of the things that hurt a lot of the talents is they don't get that push at, I'll say at the right time, really. So with Cesaro, you know, the damage has already been done, you know, we already know what type of good yeah. worker he is. So what is there really 
left for him to do by getting the world title. Yeah, it, absolutely. And like I said, I, th I just think, you know, timing is everything in wrestling. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so important. And w by waiting, like um, with a lot of the people they bring in from NXT or don't bring in from NXT, it's like, what yeah. are you waiting for? Um, you have so much amazing talent. You have Tommaso Ciampa. You have Johnny Gargano. You have Adam Cole. By the time they get to the main roster, if they ever do by this point, A, they're yeah. going to be physically so banged up that it's going to be very hard to, you know what I'm saying, to get like mileage out of them when they finally get to the dance dance, even though NXT, quite frankly, is just as hard on your body, if not harder. Yeah if you really notice how the how hard those guys work. They're so, yeah, it's, it's very physical, right? So, and they've already had multiple knee injuries and stuff well, like and, that. So. And Ciampa has had a near career-ending injury already. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Wasn't it his knee or his yeah, neck? Yeah, it, it, it was his knee. And I think oh, he okay, did injure yeah. his neck, too. I think he, <laughs> actually he did both. That's crazy, man. I mean, right there. And then uh, that's the double-edged sword. The office will tr they they won't even fuck with you if they know you have that kind of injury. They won't say that ever. But it's like in football, you know what I mean? Uh, well, the kid's got bad wheel. How much could we really get out of him? What if he, you know, tears it again or whatever? So they've got to be careful. It's all about the right place, right time. I don't know what people are waiting for um, because you know things aren't going to get rosier. I think it's just a lack of honest to God, like. Uh, not lack of motivation, but lack of uh, discipline. They go for this 50-50 booking, like yeah. you win one week, I'll win the next week, somebody will cheat the other week, instead of a long plan where, you know, I don't know if I've said this on this podcast, but what about a Goldberg streak? When was the last time we saw? I mean, that was something people hadn't seen in a long, long time. I, I think he was the last one. I think he was the last person to come in like that. And people, I mean, again, people still talk about that. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, one of the things that was catching on in the business was the the hurt business. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, from yeah. from what yeah. I see, you know, they were, they were the hottest thing or one of the hottest acts going in the WWE. Now they're breaking them up. Yeah, and they, got over, and, and they got over organically, you know. Organically, they got over, I'm glad they got you over said on that. their own. Yep, and they, it's hard to put, do. Yeah, and the same thing. And then with the, the WWE literally said they were going to break them up because they were getting too over by themselves. Really? I you mean, that, come yeah. on, guys. That's, that's preposterous. I look at Undisputed Era, too. They, they broke them up. Uh, there really won't mm. much left for them to do, but they were still extremely over hot yeah they were the top yeah. guys yeah know? then um yeah. i saw where they yeah, it's on AEW, they broke up uh the nightmare family too yes they're doing that yep yep they're actually doing uh some interesting stuff the one thing i well i don't hate it terribly but uh don't you think there's a bit too many like factions yeah everybody's a, a trio or a five yeah, or four or five yeah yeah I don't know. I think, you know, it loses its novelty, in my opinion, when you do it too much, you know, because there's a lot of great guys in there. And it's just a way to kind of hide talent in some ways, like, you know, because so, oh, somebody always suffers. You have the inner circle. You have uh, what do they call uh, uh, MJF's new one? Pinnacle? Yeah, yeah the Pinnacle. 
then you have uh, what was order. it? The Dark Order, Dork Order. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the list goes on. But like, you hide people in those things, and then somebody always gets lost. You know, whether it's one or two guys, and those guys are probably very talented. So you know, you got to be careful. But yeah, timing is everything right now, and the WWE just. I don't know. I, I just going into WrestleMania, which I will be there, by the way, WrestleMania weekend. I'll be at a, a couple of shows popping in on a, at a surprise shows and also uh, nice. a toy convention. So, yeah, I'll be down in Tampa. Okay. But this WrestleMania is probably the one that I don't even it, it does it feel like WrestleMania oh, for me. It's you shaped know. up a little bit better. You like it? In the last couple of weeks. I'm not going to say it's like a WrestleMania like we're used to, but like the right. matches aren't horrible. No, no. The matches will be great. I guarantee you. Um, I'm just not excited about like, to me, it's like Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins with so much content, Raw, three hours, SmackDown, et cetera, all these pay-per-views. It's like, nobody's exciting. It's like, I want to wait to watch. The only thing that, yeah. that's exciting for me maybe is Edge coming back, you know? Yeah. It just doesn't feel like WrestleMania. Does not. It, nope. it just, it feel, it almost feels like just another day. Yeah, yeah. And then that's a problem because, too, it's, you know, we, we talk about coming in, taking the top spot, should maybe should not have gotten the title, mm -hmm. um, whatever. But uh, Edge, 48 years old, my age is a little older than me, as a matter of fact. Come on, guys, we're doing the same thing. It's like, and I'm not criticizing older talent, believe me. Um, I want people to, to continue to do well, but when are you going to focus that on the main people? It's like, I think they, they get to a point where, who do we bring in? Who's going to pop interest? Like, it, you it, know, I think a good time to bring in some of their new, their you know, more established guys, you know, Alistair Black and Keith Lee should be when these older guys yeah. return to put them over. Uh, yeah. Where, where has Alistair Black been? Is he uh, He'd is be he a good one. I'd like to like see an injury. Or uh, yeah, I guess he's form. being secretly punished or something. Oh, really? What did he do? Well, well, I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. Either <laughs> secretly you know, ribbed, yeah, oh, yeah, he's pissed somebody off and didn't know it, and that's the worst, like, man. Uh, Alistair uh, Black and Edge would be a good match. I'd like to see. Definitely. You know, if Edge won the title and like dropped it to somebody like him, that'd be that would be, be all right with yeah. That. But the thing is, um, they would never put even even if you Edge was not the champion, they would never put Aleister Black over Edge because Vince loves legacy characters, right. yeah. loves them. And uh, even Taker, if you did, you listen to the podcast he did in Stone Cold. No, uh, I did hear that. Taker, I think you the did Taker that. podcast. You the one he did on the network. Yes, yes, yeah, did you see that? yeah, I saw, it. yeah. He kind of uh, still is iffy on losing the streak. Yeah. Remember? He was kind yeah. of like, well, you know, he's, I, I forgot the quote, but one of the quotes was, you know, yeah, it would have been cool too if maybe I stayed undefeated. You know, he maybe right. he felt that would have been. Yeah. So, uh, because Brock didn't gain anything by beating Jake. No. He, he was already Brock. And he know? said on there that Brock didn't need that win. 
No, he didn't. He didn't. And, That's the whole point, you know. And he, he and he and he said something to the effect of, "If I did lose, it should have been to like Roman or yeah. Wyatt, somebody like somebody that. lower yeah. in perception, Roman so that would have led me to legendary." Roman would have been a good one to yeah. end that streak. Yeah, he yeah. beat Taker Mania, yeah. but it was already it wasn't a big deal at that point because he, yeah. the streak was already gone. And that's that's what it's all about at that moment. Like you have that gold, but that's the thing. How does Vince, who is smarter than I would imagine the three of us combined, as far as pro wrestling, you got to you have to be. I would hope. But is he not on the same? If he is he not on the same wavelength, or is he that much of a mad genius that he sees things perhaps we don't see? I don't. I, I used to buy that, right? Like I don't have enough knowledge to to you know to pontificate if you will right. uh, <laughs> on these things because i don't even know um and uh i don't think he even has a slightest clue anymore he just comes to work and says hmm, uh yeah tonight taker you're gonna lose and i really believe that that's it honestly like power trippy weird kind of you're you're getting too old man yeah seriously yeah like like they just showed up and he just goes oh how do you feel about dropping it to lesnar <laughs> right. yeah. like yeah. it's no big deal yeah and that's that's the thing is uh if taker a they created the streak it took yeah. them a while to figure out that there was even a streak yeah if you i remember recall. that <sighs> yeah he was already up to like 11 or 12 before they right. started really talking about it so if you're gonna do that i i say you go all the way with it you know, and uh, if you had, I mean, again, right place, right time, if you had the right character. Um, and <clears throat> But with the only argument towards Roman, I would have liked it to be even somebody a, a tad bit lower because Roman has got himself over to, to a good point. But, yeah. um, you know, because honestly, if Taker beat Roman, it would have been, or uh, Roman beat Taker for the streak, I think it would have been, are you really going to do this, you fucker? Because people were still angry that roman was going remember that yeah yeah Yeah, fans were upset that yeah yeah, so that would have been another it's almost like sometimes you can't either way you go you're not you can't win but uh i would have maybe a drew mcintyre would have been a good one would have been good you know yeah because he he, he would have benefited the most i think but like when the fiend you know when he came out and he was undefeated basically you know for a while until goldberg right that's you know, another one. What was your thoughts mm-hmm. on like Goldberg beating him? I got. Uh, I think it was horrible. Need for it. Yeah. Uh, I think it was horrible. Yeah. Um, no, because uh, again, I, I, it didn't help Goldberg at all. I mean, Bill Goldberg. It's going to take a lot to to hurt Goldberg. Um, so yeah, that's a that's another missed opportunity. Because in my opinion, I could be wrong, but I think the Fiend is going to be the next uh, Undertaker style character. Right. Um, you know, because there's really nothing in the pipeline that I could see where they're going to do that. Um, and they've spent a lot of money on promoting him with all these wild, you know, all that shit's production. That stuff's like a hundred thousand dollars to tape. Yeah. I guarantee. Like I mean, that, that stuff's expensive. Yeah, yeah like all that stuff, the fire, the, you know, the 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 middle of the ring spots where yeah. they tear the shit down. Like yeah. I remember them telling me that the Aldo Pyro cost like seventy five hundred dollars a shot Jeez. to back in those days. In those days, it was maybe a little more expensive then, but um, but yeah, that's how much it was to the point where they would try as much as possible. 
when I was, you know, a jobber, when I really started jobbing as Aldo, mm-hmm. like they would try to put me there, like, you know, after commercial break, like I'm already in the ring. So they didn't have to spend the money on the pyro because <laughs> that's where I kind of thought, like, you know, if, if they were doing the pyro, I'm like, I'm in, I'm still in. Cause I got pyro <laughs> when they started taking away pyro. It's yeah, like, no, Oh shit. my God. Yeah, dude. That's, that's how crazy it was. Like, seriously, like it fucks with your head. People will never understand the first time I went out there and they're like, you got no pyro. I'm like, what? you know, <laughs> like really? You well, you remember, start playing in my future uh, career outside of wrestling. <laughs> you remember that short period what? where WWE cut out all the pyro? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. I really don't. It was like very brief. That's I think the only time they really did it was at the start of the show, I think. But then at, other than that, all the wrestlers, they oh, cut okay. the pyro off. Yeah. Yeah, because for a while, like, everybody was getting pyro. I mean, you know, and yeah. I loved it. I, I think it adds, it, you know, it just adds showmanship. You know, it, it's it's cool. Um, and especially mine, because it's still, I don't think it's been done since, the pinwheels. Yeah. You know, yeah. I thought it was a, a, a neat look. with that. Yeah. I, and I didn't know, I didn't know I was getting pyro until, um, literally, because I didn't get it my first couple of times. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't know how to react. So literally the first time they did it, they explained to me where it was going to be. And uh, it was so loud when it popped off, I actually sold it. Uh, <laughs> and I turned my back to it. Like I, I almost like I did one of these, like, Hey, I got pyro. <laughs> and, and Vince said, Vince said, when I went back, Vince said, PJ, just don't do that again. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what he said to me. I was like, hey, I got pyro. So anyway, <laughs> never told that one. So there you go. So <laughs> anyways, but talking about McMahon, right? Who did yep. you like? I'm not going to say prefer, but who did you like working with better? Would it be Paul Heyman or McMahon? Um, from a working perspective, as far as like just uh, him and I, um, like vibing was definitely Paul um, because Paul was very specific on his uh, vision, but not specific on like how I got there during the match. Um, right. I was very much given like Paul would uh, very rarely, but he did. If like there was a spot in the match that he felt would was an arc for a character or something that was going to like, really, we really need this in here because it's going to help tell a story then that's when he would interject and tell us what to do. But other than that, he gave us an open canvas where it's like painted, uh, paint, paint it like you want to, um, which right. is great. Uh, you know, because it's, it's me, my opponent and Paul Heyman, the three of us are kind of collaborating, but he always relied on the wrestlers because the wrestlers in the ring know best, you know, no mm-hmm. pun intended, but we did know best as far as what was best for our characters um, and Paul, of course, wanted, you know, said storylines to progress. So it was a great experience. But Paul Heyman was also the devil and he was a lying <laughs> of shit. Oh, <laughs> so I prefer, I prefer, I preferred uh, Paul's creative mm-hmm. to Vince's, but I much more uh, respected and appreciated Vince's business uh, as uh, the way he did business as opposed to Paul, because Paul would literally lie to you. And I remember him making me feel bad 
because I signed with the WWF. I don't know if I, t- have I told you this story. No. Okay. Oh, I, I had signed with the W. I have signed with the WWF. Um, I'm wrestling in Long Island, New York. I'm mm-hmm. driving from my home in New Jersey, and uh, I'm running late for my first appearance. So it's like 2 p.m. Paul is is is. I've not spoken to him. He's apparently mad at me for because ECW had not publicly, you know, gone out of business yet. Right. But we all knew he was telling us to hang on. Mm-hmm. I'd already gotten a deal weeks before, but he was cramming bullshit saying, I'm, I'm in L.A. trying to get a deal. I'm not coming back till I get a deal kind of a thing. So I get a call on my uh, cell phone. It was like when cell phones started to really become prominent. Yeah. And I get a call and not that many people had my cell phone number. So I was like, what the fuck? Pick it up. It's Paul. He goes, where are you? I'm like, what do you mean? Um, I'm driving. I'm, I'm, I'm around my house. He goes, aren't you supposed to be at the, you know, I think it was the, it was the Meadowlands uh, in, in New Jersey. It wasn't Long Island. Mm-hmm. It was the Meadowlands. And he's like, how do you know I'm in the Meadowlands? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm debuting on Raw tonight, just like you. I'm like, really? You sack of shit. You're telling people that they're scumbags for betraying ECW while you're calling me already. He's at the building <laughs> asking me where I am. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Welcome to pro wrestling. Wow. <laughs> Fucking piece, piece of shit. Dude, the devil. That's why I appreciate it. Vince will tell you. I got nothing for you, PJ. I'm sorry. Right. You know, best wishes, bro. You know, well, I guess that answers man. one of my I questions. I appreciate <laughs> that. Because I was going to ask you, like, how, yeah, how was no, Paul I mean, Heyman? That's honest. Because I was going to ask you, how was Paul Heyman the behind <laughs> the scenes backstage? That answers it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'd much rather uh, do business with Vince because even if it was a handshake deal, I, I mean, I did handshake deals with uh, Paul and Vince. Um, but Vince, you knew, you knew that, you know, it may not be pretty all the time either, man. But you, you know, knew kind where of, he, he stood. You knew where he stood. He, he could be yeah. cold blooded and say, uh, uh, you know, answer you straight to your face, though. He's not going to play games with you. I prefer that instead of being, yeah. you know, yeah. instead of being in your head, not knowing, dragging it out, where yeah. Paul did that to an entire company of mm-hmm. men and women that really needed to know. And this, their careers yeah. and livelihoods counted on them mm-hmm. and then make you feel bad about it when he already made up his mind months ago, could have gave his roster the jump start to get jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. But he made everybody wait, you know, fuck that piece of shit. Well, man. And then like the crappy did to, uh, Happy dude to Candido and Sonny, like the credit cards and stuff. 70 plus. Wow. 70, 70 plus, like thousand dollars. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They were putting, they were putting the airline tickets on Tammy and Chris's uh, credit cards. Holy and, shit. And uh, wow. Paul would pay them off. They would pay the, the bills. Mm-hmm. But whenever, when everything went downhill, uh, when Tammy and Chris left the bill, the, not the business, but the territory or the promotion or whatever, um, left Candido uh, for 70 grand. Man. Mm. Yeah, it's rough, man. It's rough, dude. You know, because nice. there were times it's not, you know, it's not that he meant to do it. I don't, he never meant to do it. Um, right. He just, he got to a point where just to give him a little bit of a you know break, he got to a point where ECW was getting so big. Um, he had to, to keep it alive. He had to try to compete. Um, and the only way he was going to compete for, for WWE and WCW was to guarantee money. 
and guarantee money. He couldn't like, I, I mean, towards the end, I was getting three grand a month. Steb Boo was getting three grand a month. RVD, three grand a month. Sandman, three grand a month. I mean, a lot of guys were making three grand. I mean, not three grand a month, three grand a week, 150K a year, which doesn't sound like a lot back then it was. And also this was guaranteed money, which uh, WWE just started mm-hmm. doing. Um, and, you know, because if he didn't, well, Bischoff was offering four grand a week, you know, um, and, and yeah. so <laughs> ECW was making money, just not as much as he was spending to mm-hmm. keep it, you know, right. and a fun fact about yeah. this, a fun fact about this, the, the year ECW went out of business in uh, 2021, February or March, something like that. Um. It was the most 2000 the year, the, the, the fiscal year of 2000 was the most profitable ECW was as a company ever in its history. Oh. So it wasn't like they were losing money like that year, like we're drowning. We're not selling tickets. Mm-hmm. We were selling tickets and selling out more than I mean, this is facts. You can go online and look all all this information. Yeah. It's all there. Huh. Um, it's just Paul had done so many bad deals and he was working with loan sharks Mm -hmm. and other kinds of street people. I remember my wife worked for the company uh, for years. She did merchandise with another lady uh, and dreamer was the head of the department for merchandising. So my wife would count up sometimes at at big shows, 50, 70 grand, no exaggeration. She's right here. She'll tell you 50 to (laughs) $70,000 in cold, hard cash. Damn. cash in a manila envelope and all dreamer would say is if this was this guy's name he wasn't with the company but he was a mysterious uh you know entity in a suit yeah if steve carroll comes to the table whatever he says like an amount just give it to him and write it down he wasn't like a mafia guy but he was like a loan guy uh yeah. i don't know if he was a loan shark but he was definitely paying points on it. Mm-hmm. Huh. So yeah, yeah, that's what was going on. So he was always working from behind. You know what I'm saying? He was always mm-hmm. working from behind, you know, but it's sad. And, and the pay-per-view companies back then, um, you didn't get paid on the buy rates until 90 days later. So Paul had to front like a pay-per-view back then took like 250 or 300 grand. So he would borrow that money to ha- just to have the pay-per-view. Paul right. would only receive the gate and the merchandise, the, like the cash he made that night coming through the gate mm-hmm. and, and the, t- you know, and, and the merchandise that was his immediately, but he had to wait 90 days for the buy rates and the other right. stuff to get counted. Then the company, the cable companies and satellite companies would cut through check. And that's where shit started to, we had a lot of money coming in, just wasn't coming in fast enough. Right. Right. Wouldn't Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so it was just, that's what happened, man. And, you know, Austin has a, on his series, I've been on Steve's twice and uh, Heyman's been on once, but Heyman mm-hmm. tells a great, uh, the Paul Heyman, Steve Austin podcast. Uh, is really good um, because it explains a lot of this, you know, Right, and uh, it's a shame. It's just a shame, but everybody knew, you know, Paul was just ready to go. He he had, you know, he knew he had his, his ticket written. He was just trying to kind of make ECW go down the way he, you know, 
like in a blaze of glory kind of i don't know he yeah. wanted it to go down his way his way right yeah so when ecw finally went out of business how exactly like how many of the guys went to other promotions mm. and how many just like found other lines of work well this was the biggest problem um and this is why i think so many people um really got messed up in, 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 around this time period uh, there was wcw they hired i think i forget the number but i think they had 200 which is absurd but 200 yeah. full-time contracted wrestlers on their roster Holy um, shit. That's yeah, a lot. <laughs> yeah yeah and that's 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 facts that's comes from like you know the company itself because mm -hmm. they you know they had to report all that stuff because it's time yeah. warner and it's public information for the stock market uh anyways 200 people there ecw hired about 50 full-time wrestlers and wwe i would say between 100 125 so what i'm horrible at math but if you do the math i'd say about let's say it's 350 350 people between three promotions right uh have full-time positions and make a living on wrestling now all of a sudden in less than three months period ecw goes out of business that's 50 jobs yeah wcw goes out of business and they hired everybody including judy bagwell that's another <laughs> 200 so so about 250 jobs out of 325 jobs gone. got eliminated so more than half of the jobs in the bit like if it was any other business if it was a business of whatever so more than half of those jobs went away and that's the business you're in mm -hmm. Bro, you know, I mean, so many people crying, so many people that had to sell their homes because we're making six figures and the Indies weren't robust back then like they are yeah. today. Yeah, uh, there's nothing like it. You mean you can get a booking once uh, a week or something, you know, for a decent payday, but it's not like, you know, making a living where you could support a family, you know, pay your mortgage, etc. Um, It's nice when you get three grand every week. Like I said, it wasn't the most, you know, I wasn't being a millionaire, but three grand a week to wrestle Friday and Saturday, $1,500 a match. It's not the best, but I'm with family. My wife works for the company. She's making a buck, 150 a night for doing concession stand stuff. So that's 300 bucks from her plus my, so I'm making 3,300 a week, every week. You make a nice little life right there. Yeah. You know, I could mm -hmm. pay my I could pay my bills with one check, then the rest is fucking, you know, savings or whatever. I wish I made that kind of money. I, 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 <laughs> well, I you know, a lot of people do. And uh it was just a wonderful time. That's why I never had the the wanting to go to the WCW, you know, because in yeah. WCW I would have probably got two twenty. But in that two twenty, I would have had to be around assholes. Uh, the stress, the insecurities, the not knowing, traveling yep. a lot more. Yep. You know, a lot of these shows were around my area. So I would drive to Philly, do the show, drive to my mother-in-law's, which was an hour away, then drive home, which was two hours away. So six hours round trip instead of flying all over the globe. And, yeah. I made, you know, almost the same amount of pay minus a couple hundred. ECW was a dream job. It was a dream job. You know, and it's a shame, but yeah, that's what happened, man. With with all those companies 
uh, with ECW and WCW going under and then having everybody trying to kind of, it's like the Titanic sinking. We're trying to get a life raft to the WWE. That's where I was so smart. I wasn't trying to like stick Paulie, but I'm like, dude, if I don't get off, I'm going to go down because Sandman didn't get a job right away. Dreamer didn't get a job right away. Raven didn't get a job right away. A little Jerry Lynn, RVD, you know, of course these guys ended up doing well for themselves, but I'm talking right out the gate. I was, I was right there because I knew I had to be or else I'm going to get caught and I won't end up anywhere. Yeah. You know, yeah, you, 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 you know, you snooze, you lose, dude. Yeah. Yeah. That, Speak, uh, speaking oh, of RVD, oh, like, you know, you saw where he's oh, now getting inducted the in the hall of fame. What's your thoughts on that? Um, I think it's, I think it's great. I think it's well-deserved. Um, he's a different kind of athlete, man. Um, just his physical abilities, like, uh, even from a very early age, uh, he took wrestling very seriously, built his body up with the martial arts, like with the splits and the, the, you know, the, the flexibility is really, in my opinion, um, cause he was doing yoga before anybody was doing yoga and yoga is just right. so great for, cause not only does it help injuries, but it helps prevent them because being so yeah. flexible, yeah. um, it, it helps you not tear anything. Um, if you're warmed up and you're loose. So, uh, he was so ahead of his game, the way he would sell, like if you give him a pile driver, he'd push yeah, up he'd and make, shoot like, right bounce. <laughs> I mean, his frog splash, his kicks. Um, he was just next level, man. Uh, and he was, he was ahead of his time. Well, very much ahead of his time. And the stuff that he did for a man his size, because he was not right. a small man. He's no, not a he, small guy at all. Nope. He was, uh, he's about six foot, but he was about yeah. 230. So, that's, yeah. you know, I was six foot, about 230, 240. So we were about the same size. And that's, that's not a cruiserweight, bro. That's a heavyweight. No. Jeez. You know, and he was doing all that shit. Yeah. And just absolutely. the way that he could adjust that frog splash in midair every anywhere. Yeah, you could it did not matter. Anywhere. Oh. Pretty. That's, Very I didn't pretty. know he was that big, though. I thought he was a little smaller. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's no, he's a big cat. He's a big cat. Yeah. Yep. It just it, yep. it shouldn't like what he did shouldn't have worked for his size, but he just <laughs> did it flawlessly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You're absolutely right. And he, he's a super nice dude, too. Um, he, he embraced, you know, he embraced who he was. I mean, what you see is kind of what you get. Rob yeah. is Rob. He's a pothead. Um, <laughs> and he's a mellow dude. He's very mellow, but he, he's a very loving guy. And uh, but then this is true too to real life. You don't want to piss him off. So fuck you up. <laughs> that, that's a shoot. That's a shoot. He, he, he's the nicest guy in the world, but you want him on your side. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah, because he, he could fight for real. Yeah, I can't fight for real. <laughs> he seems like the kind of guy that, like, he hit you like ten times before you even knew what happened. Right. Yeah. I, like, yeah. yeah. You, you, you turn around. It's like, did you just hit me three times? You know? Yeah. Yeah. You just got pieced up, and you're like, whoa, what? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Like- <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so. Uh, one thing me and Nick was talking about, we wanted to ask you too, is like, you know, when you first, when you found out you were winning the ECW world, ti- world title, what, like, how did that make you feel when you found that out? What was your thoughts on that? Um, it was, it was really cool. Um, I'm not going to lie. I marked out huge because I wasn't even on the show originally. Um, it was in Philadelphia, the ECW yeah. arena, and 
Um, I don't know what people think I kind of, we have backstage, but literally Paul just takes a plain white piece of paper in his chicken scratch, writes out the card and he circles who's going over and, uh, he'll put the referee by the match and, uh, the time. So it'll be like, you know, credible dreamer, 15 Jim Molyneux, let's just say that's how we know. And then somebody will get with you by the time you have to go out, kind of give you specifics. Uh, but I wasn't on the card. I didn't, was not on the list. So I'm like, huh? Cause Lance and I were tag champions. So I'm like, well, that's weird. But also um, after the matches and before the matches, sometimes we shoot promos. So like, all right, well maybe I'm, you know, Lance and I have the night off. Maybe, um, you know, we got some promos, whatever. It's yeah. cool. Uh, intermission is over. And Paul comes to me about an hour, hour and a half tops before I got to go, before Dreamer's going out there and winning. And he lays it down to me about an hour before he's like, you better get dressed. I'm like, for what? He goes, oh, for what? Okay. And he boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, wow, are you serious? Like, I thought he was ribbing me. I thought it was a joke. Right. <laughs> um, but it wasn't, you know, and um, it was the greatest feeling in the world, dude, because I never thought like in pro wrestling, in the history of American pro wrestling, there was always three recognized world champions for the longest time. It was the AWA, the WWF and the NWA slash WCW. Those were the only three recognized world heavyweight titles since AWA went under um, ECW you know, so after the dropping of the NWA title and all that shit, crowning it extreme, uh, that was the, you know, it was, then it was WCW, ECW, WWF. And right. I'm one of the three world champions in America. You know, I remember that year uh, I was number, I think in the top 500 or whatever it was, I was number six, oh, wow. which was pretty cool. Like I beat Hunter. I beat like, you know, the guys ahead of me were like rock and Austin and like Hogan, <laughs> you know, maybe Sting. you know, like, so I was like right there in ECW. I like, mm -hmm. I was the first guy, you know, cause that's how they did it. I know it's a work, but it, you know, it, it's a work, but is it because they, right. they're looking at it like guys who are drawing guys who are the biggest right. draws. So that's how I felt in 2000. I was the number six biggest draw in the world of mm -hmm. professional wrestling. That's pretty fucking dope. And we're talking yeah. Japan because like yeah. Jushin Liger was in the top 10 that year. Yeah. So and like not only in America, but in the world, I'm talking new Japan, all Japan. I'm number then, six, you know, and in the 2000, the year 2000, all Japan was still on that insane run. They were doing. that's right. Yep. And, and I ended and up working were, actually for all Japan in 2003. I did two tours. Oh, okay. and, uh, and oh, a side note. Yeah. D'Lo Brown and I went over. This was after I got fired in 2003 in WWE. Johnny Ace, who was head of talent relations. Has the connection to Giant yep. Baba and his wife, who now took over the promotion. So D'Lo Brown and I, no, not D'Lo Brown and I, what's his name? Umaga. Remember Umaga? Yeah. Like he, so Umaga and I were, uh, we entered the, uh, what do they call the tag? It wasn't the World League. It was uh, whatever, the All Japan. It was a yeah. famous cup, the All Japan Tag Title Tournament that they held mm -hmm. every year. And um, we went all the way to the finals and we lost 
to D'Lo Brown and Taka Michinoku at Cork and Hall. Yeah. Yeah. And then we ended up going to the super show at Tokyo Dome. Um, But uh, yeah, so I had a run in all Japan. So anywho, number six, that was the point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's what was still, it like? Yeah, it over there in you're Japan. the sixth best guy in the world at wrestling. That's pretty damn good. Pretty cool, dude. I, I'm, you know, I, the only thing I wish I could have done uh, was work for New Japan. That's the only promotion I never did. I've done Ring of Honor, MLW. Um, um, what else is there? Obviously, ECW, WWE. I did j- two jobs in WCW. Um, what else is there? All Japan, Impact, Japan, Noah. Yeah. I didn't do Noah. Noah. I did World One. No, no. Okay. What is it? What is it? No, uh, Pro Wrestling. The Zero One. What was that one yeah, called? Yeah, it's Zero. Yeah, it's Zero One. It's zero something. Yeah. yeah, I did that. I worked for a promotion in Mexico. It wasn't AAA or uh, CMLL, but like I and I worked in Puerto Rico for Savio. Um, oh. So I basically worked everywhere except New Japan. It's the only one I haven't worked for, and it's not going to happen either. Um, <laughs> not the way those motherfuckers are going. Not that they would want me, but uh, that's next level. That's like there's there's some killers over there right now. You ain't lying, dude. But they're paying. They're paying. Yeah, they're paying bread. Like you don't want to come work in America. Like I don't understand why anybody would want to come to America because. Those guys are under, from what I understand, they're treated with gold. Like when I went to Japan, they were paying me so much. I literally had to buy. I I never understood why wrestlers had Halliburton's, which are like those metal briefcases. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the the big suitcases. Yeah. Uh, There's a reason for that. (laughs) Coming through, uh, I I did a three, uh, no, it was four-week tour. It ended up being, I think, 30 days, but tra- with travel, 32 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had about 25K in my uh, Halliburton because they pay you in cash, full oh, cash. <laughs> yeah, they don't do checks. <laughs> not for the not for the Gaijin. Gaijins are what they call the American wrestlers, yeah. almost like gringo. It's like the yeah. equivalent of gringo. Uh, the Gaijin would all be paid in cash. And uh, after Tokyo Dome, I got handed a like a, a manila, like the Sopranos, like a Manila envelope, <laughs> just you know. And I put it in my Halliburton, and then and then try going through customs with that and explaining. I had to yeah, declare why you have twenty five thousand dollars in your suitcase. No, well, they they had seen it before, but right. I had never seen it before. <laughs> you know, they because you know wrestling and, and other kinds of businesses like entertainment and whatnot but i had never dude walking through customs with that kind of cash i felt like i'm going to jail they're gonna, they're, 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 they're gonna, they're gonna pull me in the back room i'm gonna put searched. something up my ass yeah, you yeah. know something i'm it's in I'm, i might get caned i don't know <laughs> well, when i went to when i wrestled in singapore mm-hmm. um they would stamp your passport the trafficking of illegal narcotics requires the death penalty and to god <laughs> Yeah. I, I have I, ha- I have the best passport somewhere that has like it's filled to the brim back to front. And uh, I'd love to see it just for, you know, just for memories. But uh, that was one of the most uh, fucked up ones. Like they're saying, <laughs> you're going to die. You're going to die, bitch. Yeah. You know? yeah. Do I really want to smoke a joint in Singapore? <laughs> right? I don't think it's worth it, dude. I don't want to. I don't want to smoke a cigarette, dude. If that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> 
get high in Singapore or risk dying? Which one? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't want to fuck with those. Well, they're crazy over there. Really? I mean, they're, but that's why it's so, uh, yeah. so much different. You know, they, they have a lot of respect over there. Um, you know, I mean, in Japan, like, and Japan can get a little wild. They have what we have over here. And there was yeah. people partied, but still it was uh, nothing compared to, you know, the cleanliness over there on the streets right. were, you know, it, it wasn't like hoodie or like people like mm -hmm. slinging shit on the streets. You had to know somebody that knew somebody. And then like, maybe you can get some swag weed. I remember one time Mike <laughs> awesome. And I went to a club uh, after a tour and uh, he got us ecstasy and a, like a dime bag of pot. So we rolled like a joint. It's like the worst weed ever. I, honestly, it might have been oregano. I wouldn't have known. <laughs> we could have put it on. We could have put it on our shitty Japanese pizza. Uh, but uh, just some, but, but just dude, some we got ragweed. Yeah, pretty much. But then we got some ecstasy. And all I remember is being at, at the Denny's with Mike Awesome. There was an American Denny's there. Of course, we went there in the Rapungi area of uh, yeah. Tokyo. And uh, I was, we were eating, we had smoked a little bit of the joint and took our ecstasy. I just remember waking up in my hotel room, completely trashed. I mean, everything <laughs> off the walls, bed ripped <laughs> apart, chairs turned over. Everything's all fucked up. No reason. I have no idea what happened <laughs> to this day. I could have been fucked by 20 dudes, could have killed somebody. I don't know what happened. You, you sure it wasn't just Mike Awesome just walking through the room? Because he's probably a power giant. Yeah. He's a freaking giant in Japan. Like that guy. They they probably. probably looking at him like who's this guy? Just <laughs> that was probably him just fucking, yeah, jacking me around, fucking power bombing me. Yeah. Who like knows? he just walked in the room because he's so big and just knocked everything over. Uh, it was so it was so much fun though oh, i miss those days we had a blast dude that's the thing imagine being in your like late 20s and having like all that money on you and just having fun innocent fun like we weren't hurting nobody dude no. we were just you know we were we played hard at night but we worked our asses off mm -hmm. during the day going to the gym you know whatever you know it was just uh it was so much fun the guys were so uh cool you know it was a lot of fun miss those days you know, so you said Singapore is crazy too. You got any stories from over there? No, no, no. We didn't party over there, man. It was very, <laughs> it was very chill. Yeah, seriously, we took that stuff seriously because that was yeah. a shoot. Like you didn't want to mess up, you know. Especially yeah. Americans, they look at you like these. You know, we we, we don't realize uh, as a nation, and I'm not trying to like get all political, but as a nation, we don't realize how uh, the rest of the world looks at us. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. Americans in the rest of the world look at us as like jack offs, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, oh, here's these ignorant uh, motherfuckers, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, we don't we don't know any better. Right. We got a lot of heat. We're like the heels yeah. over there. Well, you like know, in they, Singapore, wasn't that where that college kid got caned for like putting gum on a bench? Or I something? believe it. I believe it was. Yeah. Think, yeah. The cane. yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. They don't fuck around. Yeah. He but, got you like, know. He got like 10 lashings just for putting yes. gum on a bench. Yeah, he got what Tommy Dreamered. Well, that's yeah. where that, you know, that's where that's where that came from. You know that, right? Yeah. Yeah, because Heyman had saw that in, that was a big hot button political thing. And Heyman saw that in the news. And he's like, well, that's going to be our boy getting whipped. And that's how uh, Dreamer ended up with that, you know, which worked, obviously, oh. uh -huh. you know, but yeah, it was, it was totally that.
Yeah, the the what was the the thank you, sir. May I have another that one? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. So I know one thing that Nick has been wanting to ask. I think all week sure. since we've been talking about this <laughs> oh, is Jesus. is the plane ride from hell. All right, go ahead. Get it out of your system. Well, no, just, you know, everybody writes the same story. You know, you just, you get all the highlights, but I've always wondered what kind of led up to that. Cause you just, you always see the thing about, you know, Lesnar and Henning wrestling each other and right. Undertaker choking out Kurt Angle because he thought he was beating up McMahon and I guess X Pac shitting something there too. <laughs> no, no, uh, Pac, Pac, uh, or he cut, you yeah, know, he cut, cut, Hayes cut Michael Hayes' hair. Yeah, he got Michael Hayes' hair. Um, what do you mean? Like, what led to all of it? Yeah, just like kind of just what, what it was, how it was this just, all came about. Uh, it was just nothing really, dude. It's just, man, imagine all those personalities, right? Mm-hmm. And now we're, we're all making money. We're all kind of having a really good time. We're still like the show was sold out. Right. Uh, we just had a successful tour of England. Uh, we flew, we did the show Saturday night at the O2 Arena, which is famous. It's uh, right, yeah. it was built next to the old Wembley Stadium. It's huge. Yeah. And um, so everybody's feeling good. And we get right on the flight right after the show, which mm-hmm. is technically something we never do because normally that's the time where we'll shower up, we'll go to the bar and then have those things happen in the bar, like talking, <laughs> celebrating, you know, shit like that. Right. But instead we literally are showering, going right to the hotel because we had to get home for Monday night raw. Mm-hmm. So like Sunday was kind of like travel slash rest recovery for raw. Right. That was like, you know what I mean? Like Saturday or, or Saturday wrestle Sunday off because mm-hmm. England we lose five hours. It's five hours difference, and we lose it coming from uh, the UK over here. Mm-hmm. So everybody was just like, "This is this was like the Ramada Inn or the Marriott Bar after a show, but on 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 you know on thirty thousand feet, yeah." <laughs> and some somebody somehow it was a charter, and Vince wasn't doing charters very much at that point yet. Mm-hmm. Um, was full fucking like cases of booze, bro. Yeah, I I can't believe I was the one of the sober ones out of fear. Out of fear, <laughs> not out of I didn't want to get fucked up. Out of pure fear, and I'm I'm not even fucking kidding you, dude. Um, I uh, I I sat Scott Hall in the aisle, mm-hmm. and I stayed on the window, and Scott passed out, dude. He was so <laughs> fucked up, and uh, like I'll never forget. Like to this day, I always joke about it, but you know, imagine me fucking wheelchairing scott hall through customs and then and jim ross jim ross jr was the vice president of wwf Mm -hmm. at the time vice president talent relations he's got the black hat right by the baggage going like this to me (laughs) like that disgust like you fucking and i didn't do anything i'm like dude I'm wheeling this motherfucker. He's your boy. Sober. <laughs> fuck. Uh, I, I stayed awake because I, I was scared. Right. Everybody else was fucked up. And well, I'm I guess usually, like, I'm usually the was, fucked up one. And like Flair was running around naked, I guess, or something like well, that. Well, yeah, he was, he was running around with the robe sans any clothes. You know, it's totally <laughs> naked underneath. 
It was, it was, dude. It, it's something. Uh, we're doing an episode. And I'm not supposed to say it, but fuck it. Uh, we, I taped an episode for Dark Side of the Ring uh, that's coming out on the plane ride from hell, uh, the third oh, nice. season. Really? Okay. So that, yeah, that, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, I taped it, like I said, yeah, about three weeks, two a month ago. Damn. So, uh, yeah. Check it's that going to be dope. Yeah. Anyways, man, man, but those were, it was wild time, dude. We're just having fun. Right. I mean, that's, but that's what this, you know, people forget. I don't know why wrestling is taken so seriously at times um, because it should be no different than the rock and roll business or the entertainment right. business. Right. Like, look, we play hard, but we yeah. work hard. I mean, we're, we're, we are the only uh, people in entertainment because um, it's not a sport, realistically. Um, it could be an athletic kind of thing but it's certainly not a contest we're like winners and losers you know so it's like why can't we enjoy to get fucked up once in a while you just blow it off that was you know yeah i mean and 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 the pressure was so great people don't understand man the the being micromanaged you know all right picture you being you you're who you are now you wake up tomorrow morning you go to the airport to go to work all of a sudden people know who you are you get right. off the plane, people are fucking with you, and you're like, oh, maybe you get, maybe you're having a bad day. Maybe you lost your credit card or your wallet, and you yeah. start telling, hey, leave me the fuck alone. That gets put out there. Right. Or maybe you, next- go, you, you go to the bar or something, and you, you get a couple too many in you. We all have done that, dude. And all of a sudden, you got, you know, you're this demon, horrible monster. And shit like that is what, you know, perpetuates this business and the guys and gals in it. And it's a shame because, you know, shit, it's supposed to be fun. And if, you know, I I miss the days of wrestlers being able to be wrestlers, of even football players being allowed to be football players. It's like, it's almost like a non- None, it's a not good thing to be that guy. It's like, why yeah, are we, why are we pro want to be in the spotlight? You almost don't want right. to be because, mm-hmm. because the one time you go to the bar and you have a few beers, you take a couple shots, you might have got a little too drunk, but you yeah. didn't do anything wrong. No, but that's all they're going to remember. That's, that's right. All they're gonna, yeah. Yep. And, and also, one thing I hate is that word toxic masculinity. Yeah. Um, yeah people yeah. use that. Um, I, I'm the most, dude, I'm the most opposite of that. I have a 16-year-old beautiful daughter. I've been married to the same woman faithfully for a shoot for 25 years. Right. I, I treat, I mean, I love my mom, dude. I, she's, she's an inspiration to me. I'm a good person, but I shouldn't have to also say that I'm not proud to be, you know, a dude and, you know, like kind of like an athlete and have that little edge. It's like you, you that's, it's, it, I, what, what are we doing here as a culture? You know, it's like all of a sudden, like the rules changed. Like one day you wake up, the rules completely changed, yeah. you know, and it's yeah. just now, a shame. Now it's a, it's a bad thing to be a guy. Yeah, it is. And to just uh, I be mean, a guy to just, you're just doing what a guy would do. You're not hurting anybody. You're not doing any, like you said, yeah. you had the, you had that athletic athletic ability to be a wrestler, and that's what you put it to. But now, all of yeah. a sudden, that's a bad it's, thing. A, it's, it's a negative thing. And, uh, you know, I respect and love everyone. My daughter is actually going through some stuff in that, in that genre of sexual identity. And so mm-hmm. I have no hate in my heart, or else I would hate my daughter. It's just these times are confusing, and they're yeah. difficult, and, and it's okay to have a dialogue. 
but we mm-hmm. can't be so sensitive to just being normal people. You know what I mean? It's like, what, when the fuck did Americans become so, you know, participation trophies and yeah. uh, so, you know, like, you know, you know we need to toughen up as, as a society. Yeah. I'm not, and, and it's not gender bound or anything sexually orientated bounds. It's just yeah. as a nation, we need to toughen up as humans well, and, and love this- one and love one another and care for one yeah. another instead of because yeah. the people that are out there telling you what to think and to say and that cancel culture, we need to instead like just support one another and be cool mm-hmm. regardless. You know, we all have different opinions. That's yep. cool, but let's love one another and help one yeah. another. Nothing wrong with that, man. And then unfortunately, it seems like it's the opposite where yeah. people want to divide you and say, Oh, you're this or that for believing in this. Well, well says you, who? Yeah, because you, know? you don't agree with me, because you don't agree with me, I have to hate you is how they act. And that's not and, how it works. Yeah, that's not, that's not that how way. it works, man. No. That's not how it works. I don't hate anybody, dude. I don't have the time. <laughs> no. uh, you know, I don't have the time or the energy. But, because it takes a lot. Become. But that's what it's become. And, and it's unfortunate. My, it's you unfortunate. don't have my opinion, so you're the enemy. Right. Right. And that, and that I think, is, is the future, dude. That's social media. Because now people, people that were never heard before, people that, you know, maybe were a little introverted, maybe they were a little shy or whatever. Now keyboard warriors are yeah. out in full force. They have um, a I, I remember, like, I and I'm going to get heat for this, but uh, <laughs> I'll tell you this real quick story. There was this kid that I sold an ECW flag to mm-hmm. and something else. I sold him some merchandise and uh, it got lost in the mail, returned to me. And through time, I, it got fucked up and I never sent it to him. Be honest. Fault was on me. Well, yeah. I also fucked up and I was wanting to give him his money back and I couldn't, I just couldn't afford it. And I'm being honest. It wasn't a big deal. It wasn't public, but, um, he got, you know, through DMS and stuff, he got very aggressive saying, well, I know where you're going to be. You're going to be in New Jersey and I'm going to come down there and get my money in person. I'm like, okay. And I didn't mean it like, okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally fine. Brother, he sent his boy there, and there was like, we didn't mean any disrespect. You there? Oh, yeah, yeah, we're yeah, still we here. Didn't mean any- we we didn't mean any disrespect. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, like, and when I saw this person, it was like, you know, uh, I won't even go there because I don't want to be hateful and you know body shaming people, but it was something you would not. In my kid, my fourteen-year-old wouldn't be scared. You weren't and worried. Like, you weren't worried for one second. Well, I wasn't worried regardless because I intended yeah. on giving him his money. Yeah, but uh, I'm saying, but be, when this person walked up to you, you're like, yeah, okay. Uh, it, was, it just it, it just shows you though. It proves that you know people just could talk when it's from a distance, and you can yeah. call me names. That's fine, but. You know, we, we just live in a weird world. So the point I was trying to say is Very we live weird. in a weird world where, um, you know, virtual and social media and stuff like that really hurts some people. And we got to realize that that shit ain't real. Yeah. You know, uh, we, we have to just get out there and like see people and like hug people and like shake their hands oh. and be normal dudes, you know, and just be, 
you know, symp- empathetic and sympathetic to ones, but we just can't be sitting there fucking yeah. around on the computer screen and thinking that's real life. No, All right, that's social. my soapbox. <laughs> we are. Yeah, we're, we're social. We're, we're social cre- like creatures, you know. Yep. So, I got two more questions, and then we'll let you go off of here. One thing I wanted to ask sure. you while we're on that subject is, with WWE moving over to this Peacock service, they're mm-hmm. removing. More or less, basically, there's a lot of content. Yeah. I, I don't... What's your take on that? Because me, personally, I don't think they should remove it. Because yeah. it's there, it's happened, anybody can find it, you know. But I think they're taking it a little too far by removing certain Yeah. Things. I think so, too. Um, and I think it's just, unfortunately, going to be to the loss of the wrestling fan. Um, it's, it's no two ways about it. And this is why WWE continuously is, you know, the stock prices continue to go up because they're winning, dude. They're getting outrageous amounts of money for their content. Um, so for them, they're okay. Like their books are, are you know, they're in the, they're in the black, dude. They're making money. Um, I don't think they care uh, at all. Um, I think it sucks because half of the money that I've made uh, – after the fake ECW has been because of the WWE network, because, you know, for many, many years, that generation has long passed pro wrestling, but Mm -hmm. with the WWE network, we opened that up for people who wanted to see it or who cared to see it or, you know, revisit it. That was huge for us. And it was one of, I, I come to find out that they track all of that stuff as they do in Netflix and ECW programming was one of the top rated uh, searches and watched hours of uh, from anybody. You know, I think they were right. Be- they were uh, number one brand was like WrestleManias. They got watched the most, but uh, number five or six might have been ECW content. It was right around there. Five or six um, was ECW content was the most watched out of anything else. Um, and which w- w- what I mean by that though it is it helped introduce me since I'm not on television right now helped introduce me to fans that are com- maybe just coming up right mm-hmm. hearing about it and wanting to research it so it was good for everyone good for the boys good for the fans um, so now with all this questionable content as far as Peacock and NBC are concerned yeah it's going to suck dude there's going to be a lot of library that's going to be not lost but that's going to be put away. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, uh, I hope people kept their DVDs, you know, that's the only way uh, you're going to see it now, really. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, hope, Hey, if they're smart, maybe they could, I don't see it happening because we're not going to go back in that route, but maybe in some way, if they could put it to that, you know, have a physical copy, but that's the only way people are going to see it. You know, that's it. And also, you just mentioned the fake ECW, you know, where WWE tried to, yeah. I guess, reboot it. And basically, after a while, they made it a developmental, more or less, right. after yeah. a few years of running yeah. it. When you it got eventually called, became NXT. but Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. And when you got called up to do that, you know, I think you only had like a handful of matches with them, right? I did, yeah. Like, what was your opinion well, on Because you that? did the original one-night stand and... Um, uh, I did one night stand. Um, the original, I came out and I caned Chris Jericho, uh, Lance Storm and I ended up, you know, doing the pose and partying, uh, afterwards. 
not not partying, but like celebrating in the room. <laughs> yeah. um, I wasn't. I was. I was there in one night stand too, but uh, I only did a small cameo at the end. Um, I worked CM Punk's debut match for WWE. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it was his first match ever in a WWE ring that aired on television for his, you know, the beginning of his legendary run. Uh, I wrestled <laughs> Balls Mahoney. Uh, I wrestled Sabu. Um, I wrestled Danny Doring, Tommy Dreamer, Roadkill, some guys like that. Um, but at the end of the day, I I just couldn't do it anymore. Um, literally, one what really killed me was um, they signed, and I don't know if a lot of people know this, they signed the original ECW talent to $52,000 a year which was it's horribly low uh first of all for anything like this but you gotta understand it's not 52 grand and you're an employee it's 52 grand and you're a uh contractor yeah which means that that 52 grand i have to pay my own taxes and i also have to pay my own expenses because they don't cover hotel food or rental car so that 52 grand dwindles down to about 30 grand so i'm making pretty much working for the wwe 25 27 grand that's that's crazy think about that and that's a shoot do the math dude and and ask around because all that figure is 100 true so one day i went to go to tv my tickets came in the mail I'm, i'm going to the bank to uh to get gas because the the airport's about 45 miles from my house I, uh, I go to the bank. I didn't have enough money in the ATM to get gasoline. Wow. And uh, my old man who was in his late fifties at the time, I asked him to borrow 50 bucks and he's a working class blue collar dude. He's like, Pete, I don't have it. It's Monday. Uh, you know, I get paid Thursday. I can't help you son. And he was already at work. You know, I interrupted his day and I said, don't worry, dad, don't get upset. Um, I was like, fuck you. If I'm working for you and I can't get there, it's not like I'm, smoking it up being fucking cool modi out there balling no i'm just living (laughs) normally it's just there wasn't money coming in because house shows where we weren't making any it was it was brutal so uh this is working for the largest wrestling company in the world right in the world right it's it's insane but then also thinking about this putting their guys over because i saw the writing on the wall you know yeah. working with Kurt Angle, getting squashed, and I'm the former ECW world champion. Mm. So I yeah. no-show, no-call, no-show. They call me the next day. Is everything okay? What happened? Oh, my God. Blah, blah, blah. No, everything's fine. I had issues. Blah, blah, blah. Well, don't worry. We'll, we'll have you next week. We'll send you your ticket. Got the ticket. No check still. Still scrapping. Literally, my like I was living with my parents at the time. That's how bad it was. And I'm like, no, I'm just not going to show up. They call, they call, they call. Didn't pick up the phone. Finally, after about a month, um, I got my release in the mail. Fuck them. Dude, if they can't respect me, they want me at their building so bad, but they can't make sure I get there. Yeah. I mean, I'm not in, in no way, shape, or form. I've told this story many times, and <clears throat> I am in no way exaggerating. It was just a very dark time mm-hmm. because it was almost like, you know, we got you. You're going to work uh, like a slave, and we're going to not only make you work for peanuts, 
we're going to bury your character, the character you made the world heavyweight champion that you were so proud of, as I said about an hour ago. We're going to bury that guy. So I was like, no, I'm not going to let you bury that guy. So it was better for me to quit than to make, honestly, if I worked at McDonald's, probably would have made more after if you really consider, I mean, do you, does anybody realize what it costs to rent a hotel room one night, a rental car and food? Yeah. Deduct that, that and put, and put in that, that 52 grand. That sounds okay. Yeah. And then you really do the math and then, and then have to pay taxes after yep. that. And you're in the red. You're in the red. Yeah. You're in yeah. the red, dog. You're in the red. And that's you're how behind so, before you you're behind before you even start. And yeah. that's why so many wrestlers end up poor. And you always hear these horror stories of people who are legendary stars in the business end mm. up poor in tax debt. Like Ric Flair, he was bankrupt yeah. a bunch of times in tax debt. They do this for a reason, bro. Yeah, then people, it's sad. And no and and I'm running with no health insurance. Right. Because I have to pay out of pocket. How am mm -hmm. I with that kind of non-money coming in? You know what a wrestling uh, health insurance for a pro wrestler is? There were times where I was paying fifteen hundred a month for health insurance. God. That's why ECW was so great. Yeah, who who wants to insure God. a wrestler? So think about it. Like you you say a buck fifty. 200 grand that's nothing when you pay taxes properly and you do shit properly and you're spending on food hotel you want to buy tights all that shit's wrestling expenses gasoline anything for your look your costumes no. it's all out of your pocket and you can't use that, that as a tax right they don't see either, it can you Oh, you can. Those things you can, but still, it's like they tax trade-offs are cool, but shit, you ain't making the fucking money to pay the goddamn taxes. Yeah. You know, when you got to get you, you got to get new ring gear and stuff like yeah. that, and, and still pay bills and everything. It's, else. it's it's it becomes rough, and and you end up living a life like I honestly saw people that were blue collar working nine to five jobs, but making more money than I was. Jeez. And I'm out there like on TV. People think I'm the superstar. Seriously, if y'all do the math, you know, think about it. You know, all right, let, let's say I'm making 100 grand a year. All right. Let's say I pay 30,000 30, in taxes. That's about right. That's 70 grand. Then, okay, road expenses. Like I said, rental car mm -hmm. every day, hotel every day, gasoline and food. Now you take your you know, your gear, your, your stuff that's all custom made and shit. What are you making? 30 grand. Yeah. If that, <laughs> think about it. My dad was yeah. making that working in a factory dog and you're right. on TV, you're on TV. They, they tried to put like that, you know, they think you're a mark like, okay, you're, you're on TV. You're a superstar. <laughs> you know, it's weird. Anywho, that's what it is. Mm. <laughs> Well, we won't keep you on here too much, too much longer, man. Um, no, we really. I know I'm drinking like straight up Coca. I'm, I'm drinking Coca Cola out of the one liter bottle. <laughs> Get crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I need my sugar rush. Now I'm done with. I'm done with the alcohol. I need sugar. Uh, <laughs> well, we won't. Yeah. Keep you on no, it was great, man. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, we enjoyed it too. We appreciate you working so much with us. You know, on those two. 
Oh yeah, no, it's awesome. right on, dude. It's, it's awesome. Great. I'm glad I'm. I enjoy talking to you guys, sharing, and just just being straight up honest. I mean, this is me. This is me as a human being. Uh, mm-hmm. This is me being real. This is me having fun and just reminiscing about you know the old days. And uh, I really yeah. appreciate y'all's time. You know, thank you, thank you for having me. You know, well, uh, and I've, I've, I've we've really enjoyed the insight and everything and the stories and all that. It's been great. This has been great to hear. Thank it you. really has. Thank you. It means a lot. Thank you. Well, all right, everybody. That's going to wrap up this week's episode of Big Bang Wrestling, finishing up this interview with Just Incredible, the man, the legend himself, former ECW World <laughs> Heavyweight Champion. Great person to have on your podcast. If there's any other podcasters watching this or listening to this, he's a great person to work with and have on your show. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. Really does. Thank uh, you. Well, is there anything else you want to say before we get off here, man? Um, no, just real quick plugs. Uh, follow me on Instagram at PJ Polacco. Also on Twitter at PJ Polacco. And of course, ProWrestlingTees.com backslash Just Incredible. I have over 20 shirts, uh, some ECW old school originals, uh, some new school stuff, and of course, some Aldo Montoya's. So I got a whole variety. So go check it out www.prowrestlingtees.com backslash Justin Incredible. You won't be disappointed, man. Buy a shirt. All right, everybody. Thank y'all for watching. And we are out.